Lord put a word in my spirit as I started the series titled Trusting God in Uncertain Times. Our main text is the book of Psalms, chapter 46, from verse 1 to 11. And the other text is Mark, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, chapter 4, from verse 35 to 41. But I'll just take Psalm 46. I want to summarize what I said in the dawn service. So if you were not here at the dawn service, when you get home, go and watch the video on Facebook or YouTube. Because I might not have the time to say all that I said. I thought I would even speak more at this service. But the Lord has done it already. And those of you who came out responding to that altar call, watch out because it is happening already. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So we might be in trouble, but God is with us in trouble. And his presence makes all the difference. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled. Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. God is in the midst of us, she shall not be moved. I say that again. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. God will help you, and the help will come early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he has made in the earth, he maketh the wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariots in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts, Jehovah El Sabaoth, is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Amen. In the previous editions of this message that I had preached, various services that we had had, about three of them, or six of them put together, dawn and second services, I had spoken a lot about the fact that you might be in Christ and yet you have trouble. That when trouble comes, it's not essentially because you're far away from God. Yeah, when you're far away from God, trouble can come. That in itself can give birth to trouble. But even you can be so close to God and you're fellowshipping with the Lord, like one of our sisters shared earlier, she was still praying and worshiping, but all of that, you know, is still happening in our lives. So uh, the fact that you, you, you enjoy intimacy with God does not necessarily... Um, um, extricate you from the challenges of life. It does not necessarily um, take you away uh, or isolate you from the problems and the challenges of life. As a matter of fact, right now, globally, nations are troubled. These are uncertain times. You know that people go to bed one night and they don't know what's going to happen the following morning. Now, I want to be sure that you are not on your mobile phone fooling away with your phone while I am preaching here unless you're in the media ministry. That, that will be a height of spiritual irresponsibility if I'm preaching here and you're on your mobile phone chatting away. 
for any reason whatsoever unless you're in the media ministry. This is life we're talking about now. It is the word of God that transforms our lives. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. Whatever God wants to get done in your life, he will package it into his word and send the word to you. If you miss that word, then you have missed your visitation. In Psalm 107 verse 20, the Bible says he sent his word and healed them. The word that was sent healed them like God himself and rescued them from all their destructions. So it won't be nice if your word comes and you are absent. So please be present for the next few minutes. Having said all of that about the uncertain times in which we live and the enormity of our challenges, I said, however, sometimes don't be in a hurry to pray very quickly. Lord, get me out of this trouble. Sometimes you should rather say, Lord, what do you want me to learn in this situation before I move to the next level? Because whatever you're supposed to learn at 100 level, if you don't learn it, you will pay a higher price to learn it at 500 level. Whatever you're supposed to learn at 18, if you don't learn it, to learn it at 28 will come at a higher cost. I know that even experientially. So sometimes you need to say, Lord, what are you trying to make me learn from this? Even though God is not the originator of trouble. No, God is the source of all blessing and all good things. James 1.17 tells us that. He's the fountain of life, not the fountain of death. The Bible tells us in Psalm 36 and verse 9. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. Satan is in charge of death. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Everything about God, everything about Jesus, everything about the Holy Spirit is life, life, life. Can I have an amen to that? But you know, Satan cannot kill you unless you give him the chance to so do. Unless you give him the license to so do. And we do that through the words of our mouth. Proverbs 18, 21 tells us, death and life are in the power of the tongue. In fact, Jesus actually took the keys of hell and death from Satan. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, he said, I'm he that was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. He said, and I have the keys of hell and of death. He took it from Satan. So Satan is not, he can't kill you unless you open the door and give him the weapon to use against you, which are essentially your words. What are the things that we can learn from troubled times? What do troubled times teach I'm careful to say that the Holy Spirit is the teacher of the church. The Bible is our constitution and our manual. So it is not adversity essentially that teaches us, but we learn in adversity. We learn from the Holy Spirit sometimes through adversity. There are things to learn. There are lessons to be learned in the valley before you get to the mountaintop. So that when you get to the mountaintop, you will not misbehave. One of the reasons that some of you have been through very rough times in your life is because God is preparing you for your future ministry. God is preparing you for your purpose. So that when you get there, you will be able to minister with compassion to the people who will be going through what you have been through. And you won't open your mouth and say, it's because you are lazy. You are here today because you are lazy. Go and look for work. That's why you are broke. No. You will know that there was a time in your life when you were so hardworking and industrious and you were willing to do anything and everything, but yet you had nothing to show for it. And you were born again, saved, not living in sin, sanctified, hallelujah. Yet, the blessing didn't show up. 
But as you walk by faith and learn the lessons you were supposed to learn that time, now you are able to have something to tell other people. When I look at my life and how my life has been a zigzag journey, today I give thanks to God that he didn't speed up the process for me. I give thanks to God that he didn't make me skip any step of the affliction because then I can open my mouth and tell you boldly that I've been there, done that, there's nothing you can tell me and I can tell you that God is faithful. The reason for the affliction sometimes could be because of the anointing that you carry. And the enemy wants to destroy that anointing. He wants to destroy your gifting. And that's why you're going through all the hell that you've been going through. Some of you, you found yourselves at the very edge of a miracle sometimes and there was an abortion. Why me, Lord? Why me? Every time somebody promises me something and it's supposed to be given to me, at the point when they're supposed to deliver it to me, then there's an abortion. God, why? Do you hate me this much? What have I done? Hey, listen, it's all preparing you for your future ministry because somebody's going to be going through that 10 years from now and you'll be the man sent by God to get them out of that situation. Are you with me this morning? Weeping me and joy for the night, but joy comes in the morning, Psalm 30 and verse 5. A time will come when you will begin to tell them about Zechariah chapter 4 verse 9 that the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house and his hands also shall finish it. It's all preparatory towards your glory. Amen. If you don't have anything to say, if you have never been through anything, then what do you have to say? You will have something to say, but to be theory. And there's a difference between theory and practical. Those of you who are university students and in different schools, you know some of your lecturers that all they do is to cram the textbook and come and deliver. But you know this particular lecturer. He won't even bring a book to the, to the classroom. And when he comes, he delivers one hour. When one hour is over, you are begging him to stay because he has so much to impart. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? He brings the subject to life. You will almost want to be eating that course. You love it so much. Ah! You say, well, when I want to specialize, I will, I will major in this field. Why? Because of that lecturer. I've met quite a number of my former students who graduated from the university. And what course did they read? English. I said, I didn't even read English myself. I only taught you English. They said, Pastor, Uncle, Uncle Fred, you were my inspiration. I was in the UK last year when one of them sent me his graduation pictures in Unilag. I said, Uncle, I had gone to Poli before I came to the extramural class where you were teaching. He said, but because of the, your style and the way you brought English language to life, I went back to uni from 100 level. And he said he was graduating. I sent him a gift. I said, send me your account number. I love that. He heard I was preaching in one of our branches in Lagos. I went to preach there. One of our churches. He, he saw the poster. He looked for me. He came to that church. We hadn't seen in a long time. When you haven't, been, you haven't been through anything, then what do you have to say? That's why you don't waste your adversity. I, I beg people, when you go through troubled times, don't waste it. Don't look for quick fixes. Don't look for palliatives. Say, Lord, what would you have me learn? Saul of Tarsus was on the road to Damascus. Kata, 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 kata. On the back of his horse. All of a sudden, he got a jab from the Lord Jesus. Oh, fun blue. Bah! He fell down. So, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who are you, Lord? At the end of that conversation, I said, Lord, what would you have me do? That's the question some of us would be asking. Lord, what would you have me do? What would you have me learn? See, when you learn, you become a better person. A wise man shall be instructed and he shall increase in learning. That should be Proverbs chapter 1. 
and verse 5. If I'm not making a mistake this morning. Proverbs, let me check that. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 5. A wise man will hear and increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. Many people don't like to learn. What you don't know, you don't know. And what you won't learn, you will never know. Many have a teachable, they have a teaching spirit, they don't have a teachable spirit. What will pastor say? He has quoted that scripture before. Is there anything new? What does God want to tell me? I, I, am I the only one in the world? Listen, calm down and learn. Number one thing, I'll give you the three points in quick succession. That we need to learn, that we may learn if we choose to, from adversity. Or from tough times. Is that tough times narrow down your options. Number one. Tough times narrow down. They trim down your options. You are humble. <laughs> hey. Tough times. When you have talked to Uncle A, Auntie B, Sister C, Brother D, you have gone everywhere for help. And nobody is able to help you because everybody is giving you a story like it is happening right now. Everybody has a story now. Before you finish your story, they have already rehearsed what to tell you. Hey, oh, I'm sorry, Jare. You know, September is around the corner. Children are resuming school. In other words, I can't send you money. Your option is reduced there. Auntie disappoints, reduced. Brother disappoints, reduced. The one abroad disappoints, reduced. Tough times reduce, they trim down your options. David came to a point in his life. In spite of all the mighty men he had, in spite of all the people that came to him and he helped them at the cave of Adulam, in Psalm 121, he lifted his eyes. He said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help doesn't come from the mighty men. My help cometh from the Lord. Adonijah loves me, but I can't depend on him. The son of Dodo, all of them, Abishai, they were his mighty men. He said, but I can't depend on them. My help cometh from the Lord. Tough times. Reduce, trim down, narrow down, slim fit your options. I'll give you some scriptures about that as I come back to that point. Number two, tough times make you see the helplessness and hopelessness of a world without God. The helplessness and hopelessness of a world without God. Or... The helplessness and the hopelessness of a life without God. When COVID came, everybody became helpless. You couldn't go to the supermarket. You couldn't go to the market. You, there was a time they said, don't go to the market oh, because the thing was inside the market. They said, shut down the airport because people were contacting it at the airport. For the first time in my adult life, I found out that airports could be shut down. No plane flying anywhere. Only birds were flying. If you had anything, it was a bird, not an airplane. The whole world came to its knees. Even the haters of God agreed for the first time in their lives. They acknowledged that there must be a God in heaven. When they saw people dying like a pack of cards and, the, and different songs were trending. You've got the whole world in your hands. You've got the whole world. Oh, please spare our lives. In your hands. You've got the whole world. I thought you said there was no God before. How come you now acknowledge he has, he's got the whole world in his hands? Adversity humbles you. Adversity clips your wings. Adversity trims down your options. Adversity makes you see the helplessness and the hopelessness of a world 
without God. Jesus said in John 15 and verse 5, without me, you can do nothing. Adversity is one of the situations that bring you to the, reali the reality and the realization of the scripture. Many people think they are so proud. They are proud of their achievements. They are proud of their hustle. They are proud of their talent. They have so much confidence in their, in their cerebral capacity and what they can do in their creativity, in the ability to bring things to pass. They say, I'm a proponent of progressive ideas. I have concepts, insights, and ideas. I, if I give you one idea, it can turn you to a multimillionaire. But when adversity comes, all the ideas disappear through the window. They discover that they are nothing without God. What do you say to a professor whose area of specialization is cardiology, but he himself has a cardiac arrest? The helplessness of a man without God. Some of you are medical students. You know what I'm talking about. Some of your professors have collapsed and they have died. Medical professors. When one doctor told me some time ago that she was sick, I said, do doctors fall sick? I thought you're you in charge. You're in control. You know what to do. You know the multivitamins to take. You know when the symptoms show up early. You know exactly what to do. In spite of all that. <laughs> For you to know that when we get to the peak and the pinnacle of our knowledge, we will still discover that the Almighty is still the Almighty and is in, un, unintelligible to man. He said, my ways are past finding out. Isaiah 55, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Who are you? Who is the professor that taught the professor that, that taught the professor that taught the professor that taught the professor that taught the professor that taught you? Number three, what do we learn through adversity? We learn that adversity, if we use it well, offers us the opportunity to encounter God's love practically. I say that again. When we use adversity to our advantage. Listen. Romans 8.28 says, For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who have been called according to his purpose. All things means all things. That includes adversity and uncertain times. That includes challenges and the good times. That includes the bad times, the good times, the ugly times, the fine times. Everything put together. So you can't take it away from our lives. However, when it is properly harnessed, it gives us an opportunity to encounter the love of God practically. When my wife wants to make certain soups, for example, there's one they call, Ofe, they call it Ofe Olubu. Ofe Olubu is a combination of different things, but a primary ingredient or a primary component in that soup is bitter leaf. If you take bitter leaf out in isolation and you eat it, you won't like it. As the name goes, bitter leaf. Very bitter. Another component of that soup is salt. If you take a bowl of salt as your breakfast, a bowl of salt as your lunch, a bowl of salt as your dinner, by the next day, you'll be in the hospital. No matter the level of your anointing. A bowl. Say, so what are you eating? Ah, this salt is where he's from Gambia. <laughs> Sodium chloride. So you discover that you can't take it in isolation. You can't take a bowl full of bitter leaves, no matter how herbal you are. I know some of you have become so herbal. In fact, herbalists are afraid of you now. A bowl of bitter leaf. My wife will not try that with me. Imagine on a day when you have gone all out, you have ministered, you have prayed like house on fire. 
You have released so much anointing, so much unction is gone. You are looking forward to going back home. They, they offered you if you say, no, 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 I'm eating my wife's food. Oh, I'm dreaming of Ogbono that is garnished with a little bit of, a little bit of ugu and a little bit of, of bitter leaf. I like it that way. And, and the goat meat has been buried in the soup so much that the third day it has refused to resurrect. When meat refused to resurrect, but then they dish that food, the meat is very soft. Very humble. And then I come home and say, honey, welcome, welcome, our daddy, how was the ministration? I say, very fine. And I, as I remove my jacket, or she helps me to remove my, my jacket, I say, before I take my shower, I hope something is on the dining. She says, oh, yes, there's something there for you, very, you will love it. I say, oh, that's my wife. In fact, the honorarium they gave me, let's, we take away the tie, and then we give you your own portion. Amen. And I go to the dining, and I... I get ready. Tyranny Oluwa, don't you know you have my water here? Where's my daughter? Oh, come on, come on, come on. Table is set. The dishes are set. Everything is set. Glory be to God. The man of God is about to level a mountain. Mark eleven twenty three. 23. I say to you, if any of you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which you say shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Mark 11, 23 and 24. I'm about to eat now. Pastor, Pastor Fred has a scripture for everything. I open the dish and it's a bowl full of leaves. I open the other one and it's a bowl full of salt. I say, madam, even if we're going to have communion, are we cutting salt covenant? Because there's something called salt covenant in the Bible. There is blood covenant, there's salt covenant. She said, no, that's your dinner. A family meeting may have to happen the next day. Another ingredient of that soup is what is called condiments. Maggi and the rest of them. If you eat maggi, roy coladu. Eh? Can you have that for lunch? So I just like, I just like it. Eba mibo, eba, eba, eba mibo, we make jokinje, eboje, kimboje, kimboje. You just unwrap maggi, maggi cubes. <laughs> you will understand that Maggie is different from Chocomilo. But it's another ingredient of the soup. Am I making sense this morning? Another ingredient of the soup is meat. Got meat especially. I like from the smell to the taste, I like everything. I like the bone, even the bone. There's a piece of it called biscuit bone. Some people say, they say brisket. What's brisket? Biscuit. When you are chewing a bit, cro, cro, cro. Oh, David. <laughs> After service. <laughs> but do you know that if the meat is not cooked, you can't eat it? Raw meat. Who does that help? You put it in your mouth. What's this? If you put all the ingredients together, you can't take them in isolation. Some of them are too salty. Some of them are too sweet. Some of them are too bitter. But when... A good woman or man, as the case may be, puts all these ingredients together, combines all the different factors, and enters into what is called factorization in mathematics, and sets it on fire. Somebody say on fire. Some of us, our lives are on fire right now. But very soon, mm, 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 I don't like to stay in the kitchen at the beginning when my wife is making those things. But in the middle, I like to come to the kitchen. Because something brings me, the aroma. I'm going up the stairs. 
And from the stairs, I could perceive something smelling, oozing out from our flat. By the time I enter, oh Lord. That's my wife. Well done. Praise God. Because I know in a few minutes, it's only a matter of time. All of those things, too sweet, too bitter, too this, too that. By the time they put it together, put it on fire. And over time, something is ready. You are ready to consume it. Our lives go through different seasons. Our lives are like those equipment, those components of the soup. Different things. Different. Even look at the seasons. Springtime. Fall. Uh, summer. Winter. Each of them is unique. When you go abroad during winter, you see some of those leaves, they are dried up. The trees are dried up as if they have died. If I saw some in America. I said, these are dead trees. Why don't you cut them and use them for firewood? They say, Pastor, don't worry. Come back in spring. You will see. And I've been to the same place. I said, ah, all these flowers are beautiful. The trees are greer. These were the trees you said were dead during winter. Different seasons of life. But they teach us these three things if we will learn. One, it will trim your options. Isaiah 2.22 says, Seize ye from man in whom there is no help. His breath is in his nostrils. What can it be accounted of? I'll show you another scripture. Psalm 146, verses 3 to 5. Quickly. Psalm 146, verses 3 to 5. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the son of man in whom there is no help. Some of you have tried to get help from your uncle. They didn't help you. Today you are bitter. You don't talk to that uncle. You don't pick his call. You don't call him. Never! I will never call him again. Please receive Bible sense in the name of Jesus. The Bible already tells you ab initio, before you go there, that there is no help in man. There is no help in any man. No help in any, not even in you. God chooses to use people part time. Don't be surprised. The person that gives you one million today, tomorrow can say, ah! You ask for 5,000, I'm not giving. Not because it doesn't have. That's why you must learn to separate the source from the channel. The source is where it is coming from. The channel is from whom or through whom it comes. God is the source. One thing that troubled and uncertain times do for us is to help trim our options and if we are wise, help us to look to God. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? <laughs> you come to that point in your life when you say, God, you are the only one I have. At that point, it will come through for you. Look at what the psalmist said. Let's continue. Verse 4. He says his breath goeth forth, and he returned to his earth. In that very day, his thought perish. I will give you a job in Abuja. And then you go. The next day, the man is dead. His thought has perished. He can't be speaking from the grave. Hey, hello. Uh, I promise I will give you a job, Abi. Okay, so we'll go and meet Mr. Maji Agbe. Block four. Block four, block five. Yes, I, yes, I. Pari, pari, finish it. Gua, 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 rimpa. No, gua, gua, lada. Ah, gua, gua, lada. Uh, yeah. Then he goes back to the state of the dead. No. The moment a man is gone like this. This journey. He will find himself in another world, depending on whether he accepted Christ or not. How can you put your trust in man? How? Many times we make a mistake. When somebody helps you once, you turn that person to God. Ah! If I go again, he will give me again. He's a nice man. She's a nice woman. Thank God for nice people. Thank God for their niceties. 
but never make any man your source. Psalm 36 verse 9 says, for with you is the fountain of life. And in your light, shall we say like, go back to the fountain. You can always get water every time from the fountain. Anytime you run short of advice, run short of companionship, run short of help, run short of favor, go back to the source. It is your source that determines your size. The psalmist said something, he described himself in Psalm 102 verse 7. He said, I'm like a sparrow on a rooftop alone. I watch and I'm as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. A sparrow on the housetop receiving phone calls without credit on the phone. Just be looking. Bolu Tiveshi had his testimony. How he had to deal with insomnia. Everybody would be sleeping in the night. He was the security guard. Just looking. There are times when adversity comes, sleep disappears. You can't explain it. Everybody's sleeping around you and you're looking at them. Why are they sleeping? Sometimes you too want to sleep, but it's, not, it's just not coming. The psalmist had been in that situation before. He said, I watch. He became the watchman. And I'm as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. But can I tell you what? Being alone is not the problem. Being alone without God is the problem. When you are alone, but you are alone with God, you have majority already. Can I have an amen to that? So if you are going through any tough times right now, don't give up. Please, don't kill yourself. Don't throw in the tower. Be alone with God. In fact, if you know who I am, my, my nature, I love to be alone with God many, many times. My life has been busy in the last couple of weeks and months. Tomorrow and the day after now, I'm planning to take time off. I'm working on a project for church, and I want to be alone. But already I have reasons why I cannot be alone. My phone has to be on. But I look forward to that because I do it before I blaze every year. I, I'm still looking forward to it in September. When I would disappear, put my phone on flight mode. Nobody can call me. Nobody can reach me. Alone with God. Sometimes I'm not praying. I'm just sitting down there on my couch. And I'm saying, Lord, I thank you and I worship you. I just, want to, I just want to embrace your presence. You must do that. Otherwise, you will burn and burn and burn. You'll be giving, 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 and you'll be dry. Take some time alone. Jesus will minister all day, and then he will take time alone all night to be with the Father. Being alone in trouble is not the problem. Being alone without God in trouble is the problem. And God promised you his presence. He said in Psalm 91 verse 15, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. 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 The psalmist said in Psalm 46 that we read, the Lord of us, verse 7, verse 11, the Lord of us is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Is God with you in your adversity? Peter had a situation. And I begin to wrap up here. Matthew chapter 14. Jesus was walking on water. The disciples were in a boat and they saw him coming. But they assumed it was the spirit and they were afraid. It was an uncertain time. Now, they had every right to be afraid. They had never in their lives seen a man walking on water. So it must be a spirit that can walk on water. And in Nigeria, we have a name for that spirit. It starts with M. I've never seen that spirit before. I can never see it. Now, 
But even the disciples believed in spirit. Ah, it's the spirit! It's the spirit! Ah, disciples! Apostles! They had been with Jesus. They were members of the Jesus Christ of Nazareth evangelistic ministry. They had seen him raise the dead. They had seen him feed the poor. They had seen him open the eyes of the blind. Yet, they were afraid of his spirit. Men were winning in their pants. Hey, oh, Juju, oh, Juju, Kalakuta. This is Willie, Willie. And he was walking on water. Figure, King Jesus was bouncing, man. <laughs> on water, man. And he said, hey, guys. It's I. Don't be afraid. Chill, guys. And Peter, being very... I don't want to abuse him because I'll see him in heaven. And the Bible says in Hebrews 12 that we're, sur- we're, sur- we're surrounded with so, cloudy, uh, with so great a cloud of witnesses. So he might just be watching this service this morning. Peter said, hey, master, yo, man, if it be you, man, bid me come, man. You know what I'm saying? You know the way we talk? And say, hey, yeah, Peter, man. Peter, oh, man, walk on water, man. Come over, man. He said, man, I'm a guy. He just jumped out of the boat, man. See you guys. <laughs> See y'all. Andrew, James, all of them were watching. Man, this guy, big. Peter walking in the water, man. Jesus walking from that direction. Peter walking to meet him, man. Ah. Andrew said, make a try small. Ah, oh boy, did he enter? He put one leg. I figure, in my, in my mind, though, uh-huh. see, man, maybe it will be concrete. Oh, boy, no concrete. Ah, I didn't go down. <laughs> James said, let me put a hand. Allow, ah, make uh, the one with this, I don't control you. They saw Peter going. He was actually going. Peter was going, man, on water, man. Like, he was walking on ground. That was unprecedented. It had never happened before. But the Bible says something happened in the middle of the journey. The problem is always in the middle. You remember in Mark chapter 4, our text that we didn't read, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. They started the journey. The problem was in the middle when the storm came. Peter started walking. The problem was in the middle. What happened? He stopped looking at Jesus. He took his gaze away from Jesus and started looking at the enormity of the problem. Some of us have taken away our gaze from Jesus and we're looking at how big the bills are that we, we have to pay. And so you can't sleep. You see why you can't sleep? <sighs> 50K. 25. 5. Oh. <laughs> then you check your account. $2,165. You check in your account vis-a-vis your bills. You are looking at the enormity of your bills. It will, it will prevent you from taking a step of faith. You can't take it because logic tells you, have enough, have enough before you go. But many times, the way of God is not for you to be able to afford that thing, but for you to believe him who can afford that thing. Believe him. That's my job. My job is not to afford all the things that I want in my life. When I look at everything I spend in my life in a year, man, the question is always, where did I get all that money from? And the same is with you, right? The same with you. But what God requires is to believe him that he will do what he said he will do. What's your problem? Believe him now. 
Anyways, so Peter considered the, the wind boisterous. The wind had always been boisterous. From the moment Peter got out of the boat, in fact, before he got out, the wind was boisterous. When he got out, the wind was still boisterous. He didn't look at the wind. The wind continued to be boisterous. He kept looking at Jesus. The wind was still boisterous. But the moment he said, let me now turn and look at the wind because this is blowing my shirt. He's blowing my shirt. Ah, I hope I will not die. So I hope this symptom will not degenerate. That's when people begin to sink. And normally, thank God for his mercy, nobody begins to sink. You just sink. Have you ever tried to walk on the swimming pool? You don't begin to sink. Hello? I'm sinking, I'm sinking, I'm sinking, I'm sinking, I'm sinking. Ah, the two legs go. Nobody begins to sink. You just... Why did Peter begin to sink? Because God is the God of another chance. Amen? No matter your situation this morning, the reason you are still alive is because God is giving you another chance to rewrite your story. They have written you off. God said, okay, I give you a blank sheet and a new pen. Rewrite it. Ah, time is gone. Who said so? Who is in control of time? Who has got times and seasons in his hands? The things that you were not able to achieve in the last 20-something years of your life, God can bring it to pass in the next 20-something months of your life. Can I have an amen? Talk about the God that collapses time. Don't let me preach ahead of myself. Peter began to sink, but he did something very instructive that gives us hope. While he was sinking, verse 30, he cried out. He cried to the master. Whoever you are this morning, watching online, listening online, or right here, I dare you to call on the master. There is an old song that I love. When I call on Jesus... All things are possible. I can mount on wings like eagle and so on. When I call on Jesus, mountains are gonna fall. Cause he'll move heaven and earth to come rescue me when I call. So I can say, la 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 la. Those are my kind of songs. I have a maker. Those are my kind of songs. He calls me his own. He'll never leave me. Jesus didn't say, hey, Peter, you know what? Drink some two gallons of water before I come. Gloom, 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 gloom. Peter would have done, gloom, gloom. If you have ever, anybody ever tried to drown before? I've I, I drowned before. It wasn't my, by desire, it was my cousin. He put me on his back, jumped into the water, and this was a river in my hometown. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Somebody was washing clothes up the river. Somebody was fishing somewhere. Somebody was... So I drank everything. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. When Peter cried, Lord, save me. Did he save him or not? Stand on your feet, everybody. I have to stop now. Nobody cries, Lord, save me, and the Lord won't save you. He will save you. But you must put your trust in him. Let go of other options. Look to him. And listen for his instructions. 
Maybe that's what I'm, part of what I'm going to share next week. The instruction that God gives you stabilizes you in uncertain times and also shows you the way out of uncertain times. But you must trust him. Peter trusted him. Peter knew he would not back out on him, so he called on him. Imagine if Jesus had said, good for you. Good for you. Why did you doubt? I'll see you tomorrow. If he said, I'll see you tomorrow, Peter would not die. Because Jesus said, I'll see you tomorrow. He will still sustain him in the water. But if he says, tomorrow about this time, you float. Like a fish. But guess what Jesus did? Jesus actually stretched out his hand. Ah. He actually reached, reached out his hand and grabbed Peter. Now, don't try to grab me too much. Jesus is in me and he's in you as well. He actually grabbed Peter up. He didn't speak him up. He grabbed him. He touched him. He let him feel him. What am I saying? No matter your condition, if you call on Jesus, he will come to you. If you're in the hospital right now, you're in trouble right now, you're in your room right now, you're in your hostel right now watching this service or listening, Jesus will come to you if you call on him. He will come. He actually came to Peter and reached out. And guess what? He brought Peter up out of the water and they were still standing where? Right on the water. And both of them walked to the boat. So Peter got another chance to walk on water. You will get another chance to fulfill your destiny in Jesus' name. But this time, it was on the faith of the author and the finisher of our faith who now strengthened Peter's faith. That's why if you want your faith strengthened, spend time with Jesus. 30 minutes every day. For the five minutes every day. I recommend before you step out, please, I'm not talking daily devotion, um, daily manner, daily whatever. I'm talking you alone with Jesus, with your Bible. Yes, those devotionals can help. But even without a devotional, devote your time and your heart. Talk to him. Then listen to him. Talk back to you. Whatever he says will bring you strength. He can tell you, hey, Victor, I'm with you. That might be all you hear. And that will strengthen you. You go into your day. There are many adversities. You remind yourself, he told me, he's with me. I am not alone. I am not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave. 